live from inside your speakers, this is Hardcore Casual, your place for weekly gaming and entertainment news. Please welcome your host, Wack Ops. What up, what up, what up? My name is Wack Ops. How you doing? Welcome to Hardcore Casual, episode 14. Woo! Does it feel good to be back, y'all? I know, it's been a long time off. We've been off for about two weeks. But just for your patience, we're going to give you an extra long episode this week, chock full of all the news or a lot of the news that we've missed over the last two weeks that we've been off. With my time off, I actually did some self-care. I suggest all of you do the same. If you ever take time off, don't forget to actually take care of yourself. So what did I do with it? I started and I finished. I beat, I rolled credits on God of War 2018 and Do I understand the hype? Man, that was a masterpiece. 10 out of 10 experience. I absolutely loved it. No notes for this one. I I think that God of War 2018 was absolutely amazing, and Santa Monica Studios really knocked that one out of the park. I can't wait. I cannot wait for God of War Ragnarok. That is going to be one hell of a release. Now, a couple of show notes for this week. No sports talk this week because there is simply too much news to get to. And quite frankly, after that heartbreaker that we had on Sunday night to the Green Bay Packers, I don't want to talk about the San Francisco 49ers right now. We have a lot of questions, and until I get some answers, we're going to take a pause on that. Now, this episode is actually a big kickoff for all of us in the gaming space, because we are ramping up for the big upcoming releases that are coming out over the next couple of months. I mean... If you've been in the space, October, November, December, it is all the heavy hitters come out to play for the holiday season. Obviously, over the last couple of years, we've had some outliers here and there. The calendar has gotten a lot more diverse in terms of the release schedule, but I don't think anytime soon you're not going to see a full holiday lineup like we get this month. But let's go ahead and jump right into the headliners, where we tell you what made the front page this week in games and entertainment. Let's go ahead and start with some news that actually dropped last week. It is about Best Buy selling consoles in stores. This is according to Tech Radar. Now, Best Buy actually was able to get physical consoles in stores for sale. And this week, GameStop is actually going to be doing the same. They're going to be selling Xbox Series X, S, and PlayStation 5 bundles in stores this week. Both of these sales resulted in insanely long lines. Um, I'm glad that they waited to do in-store events until we got some vaccinations out, but it still makes me nervous because of how limited the supply is right now. And at the very least, I can say it looks like some real people actually got consoles in their hands and not a bunch of resellers and bots. So that is good news on that front. Next, We had an announcement this week about the Battlefield 2042 beta that is actually going to be launching for pre-order early access on October 6th and 7th, and then for everybody else on October 8th and 9th. I definitely am going to be trying to check this out when it drops on the 8th and 9th because I did not pre-order, but I'm excited to see how this matches up to some of the other betas that we've gotten a chance to see this year. This is probably the last major multiplayer shooter to drop a beta before the releases actually get in our hands. Uh, The first of which will be Call of Duty on the 5th, and then obviously Battlefield and Halo. Next, we have a story that quite frankly is a, a little late coming, but 
that's all right. Marvel's Avengers is officially coming to Xbox Game Pass. I think this is a smart idea, even if it is an incredibly late idea. This should have happened months ago, if not at launch, quite frankly. But I will be trying it if it comes to cloud. I believe it will be on cloud for PC. But, you know, if it worked for 76, then I think it could work for Marvel's Avengers, assuming there's enough content there to satisfy heavy users. But honestly, I kind of hope, and I'm not rooting against anybody because I know there's a hard, a lot of hardworking people over there, but part of me kind of hopes that if it does fail on Game Pass, companies will pay more attention to the actual game rather than the license attached to it. Because I feel like Square and Crystal Dynamics, maybe not Crystal Dynamics because I know they're actually doing the development, but maybe Square thought that Marvel would just sell itself, and gamers, I think, are a little more astute than that and won't just buy a license outright. We've had decades of that thinking, and if you check out any superhero or comic book video game before the the Arkham series, I don't think there's anything really viable there. Oh, and another side note, Scarlet Nexus is actually going to be coming uh, to Game Pass. That was just announced earlier today. So that's really exciting for those of you who have not gotten a chance to get your hands on that. Uh, game Pass is proving to be a second life for a lot of these games that had a shorter tail than they had anticipated originally. Next, we have a, a little more news from last week. Discord apparently is partnering with YouTube to integrate video into the chat. This comes to us from The Verge. Quote, Discord is starting to test YouTube integration just weeks after Google-owned YouTube forced two popular Discord music bots offline. The feature is called Watch Together, and as the name implies, it allows Discord members to watch YouTube videos together. The addition of ads and potential revenue opportunity for Google-owned YouTube comes just weeks after YouTube began aggressively shutting down Discord music bots. So this is interesting because I can't wait to really see how these music deals between platforms really shakes out moving into the future. Obviously, YouTube is a huge music platform. It's not just a video platform, but a lot of people listen to music via YouTube. And a lot of people use Discord to listen to music or at least listen to things with their friends. So I'm, I'm curious to see the particulars of how this deal ends up shaking out once it gets into the hands of the general public. You know what I mean? The, the end user, if you will. But I think you're going to start seeing a lot more creative contracts, at least in this kind of infancy phase of music companies, companies that own music catalogs, trying to find a way to monetize on these online platforms because up until this point, they have been taking big L's and quite frankly, probably losing a lot of money not trying to find a way to work with these different platforms. Speaking of which, we actually have another story coming by way of comicbook.com. Twitch apparently has teamed up with Warner Music in a deal to bring content to the Twitch platform. So, this is a quote, again, from comicbook.com, quote, Just a few days after Twitch's agreement with the National Music Publishers Association, the streaming platform has announced a deal with Warner Music Group. As a result of the partnership, Twitch will see artist-specific channels added to its platform, as well as WMG channels centered on music-related programming. Like the agreement with the NMPA, the WMG deal 
also gives license holders an easier method to report when creators have unintentionally used music without consent. So that that is kind of two sides of one story. So you see with Discord and YouTube, they're trying to find ways of getting people music and more content onto their platform, while Twitch and Warner are kind of, it's, it's kind of a double-faced deal. So yes, they're trying to find ways of bringing music or quote artist specific channels to Twitch, but they're also finding a way for license holders to more easily report on creators when they use their music unintentionally, which I mean, honestly, you shouldn't be, but regardless, uh, I think that on the Twitch side of the music music deal, uh, you're going to see some trouble amongst creators and hopefully it won't cause any major lawsuits and fines for creators because I, I would hate to see somebody uh, really get their livelihood called into question after uh, a suit from a large company such as Warner Music Group. Speaking of Twitch, there was one good piece of news from Twitch that we got this week. Just a few days ago, it was announced on Twitter that Twitch will implement new chat verification features to help prevent hate raids. This is welcome news. I'm going to read you the tweet now. Quote, Today we're putting more power in the hands of the community by enabling phone verified chat. Now creators and mods can require viewers to verify their account via phone number or email before they can chat. This feature has been many months in the making, but our work is not done. We're actively building additional solutions to keep communities on Twitch safe and welcome your feedback. So I hope this brings some peace and some relief to my LGBTQIA plus community and the and the BIPOC community uh, creators on Twitch because I want them to get back to making amazing content. I am not into seeing black trauma uh, for the sake of monetary gain. That's not really my bag. So I hope that we can get back to having fun and letting loose. And it's good to see Twitch is trying you know what i mean but let's keep holding them accountable that is this isn't enough this isn't let's not make this a symbolic gesture let's make sure that they follow through with their promises they said their work is not done let's make sure of it now that was our headliners for this week obviously there was a lot going on let's go ahead and jump into the word on the street where we talk rumors gossip and controversy now i am catching up on some news from last week so please just bear with me Last week in the Epic versus Apple saga, we had a little update. Apparently, Fortnite is officially being blacklisted from the Apple ecosystem until, quote, the exhaustion of all court appeals, which could be as long as a five-year process. This is according to Tim Sweeney on Twitter. So, RIP to Fortnite on iOS. I'm sorry to hear it for all you Fortnite mobile players. Let's hope that five years from now, this can all be hashed out, and let's hope for a little more freedom on these platforms, on these marketplaces, and a whole lot less infighting between major corporations. Because quite frankly, I don't know how many of us care unless we are making an app that is monetized through the Apple ecosystem or if we're a Fortnite fan. I'm disappointed in both of these companies because I think both of them are acting in bad faith and I think everyone can see right through it. In more Apple news, last week, the EU came down hard on Apple hardware. This is according to The Verge. 
Quote, the European Commission, the executive arm of the European Union, has announced plans to force smartphone and other electronic manufacturers to fit a common USB-C charging port on their devices. In addition to phones, the rules will apply to other devices like tablets, headphones, portable speakers, video game consoles, and cameras, end quote. So basically what that means is no more lightning port. Um, If this passes, because it does have to go through one more committee, I believe, at the European Union, um, but once it passes, Apple will have 24 months to comply, which means within 24 months of that, the lightning cable can die. Um, And thank God, because Apple, quite frankly, my biggest knock against them just from a use case and like just purely a consumer standpoint is their chargers, dude. Their chargers are trash. Like, my goodness, everyone burns through them so quickly. The most delicate people I know break their chargers. So I would really like this to stop. I would like to have a universal charging port so that we all stop wasting so much money and wasting so much e-waste. You know what I mean? Having so much e-waste. I think that's irresponsible, especially from a big company like Apple. Next, we actually had an Activision Blizzard update. Last week, the Wall Street Journal reported out that the SEC is investigating Activision Blizzard workplace practices, aka market manipulation. Subpoenas have been served to several high-ranking executives, including CEO Bobby Kotick, requesting communications and various documents related to the sexual assault and harassment allegations. So, essentially, they're dealing with another lawsuit, specifically around market manipulation, because if you don't let your investors know what's going on behind the scenes, at least give them some inkling to it or answer questions outright and definitively when they are asked of you, then that is considered misleading them. So, basically... They're being accused of knowing what was going on either the entire time or finding out and doing nothing, not reporting it to authorities or to their investors whatsoever, which obviously affected their stock price and lost people money. Now, obviously, this is the angle that we want to come at them from, but I say the more investigations, the better for this particular company because they have been a thorn and I won't even say a thorn in the side. They have just made, I think, a lot of the gaming industry look bad from a cultural standpoint. Not necessarily from a product standpoint, because people love Call of Duty. I understand that. People love uh, World of Warcraft. It has a huge history. But you know what? The way they go about doing business makes it other people think that this is the way business should be done in the gaming space, in entertainment. And I don't believe that to be true. And I think many of the listeners of this program don't believe that to be true. This week, Activision Blizzard actually agreed to pay an $18 million settlement with the EEOC. That is the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. This quote also comes from the Wall Street Journal. Quote, Activision Blizzard on Monday said it had agreed to pay $18 million as a part of a settlement with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, which had been investigating allegations of gender-based harassment and retaliation at the embattled video game publishing giant. The EEOC in the complaint said Activision Blizzard uh, employees were subjected to, quote, sexual harassment that was severe or persuasive to alter the conditions of employment. Activision, quote, failed to take corrective and preventative measures, according to the complaint. Now, this investigated started back in 2018. Um, so 
It seems like they are definitely trying to get some of these investigations off their plate because as of right now, Activision Blizzard as of right now is facing a California DFEH lawsuit, a shareholder lawsuit, a lawsuit filed by workers with the NLRB. We reported on that last week or two weeks ago and an SEC investigation. They're currently being accused of discrimination, harassment, retaliation, coercion, shredding documents, misleading investors, and surveillance and intimidation. So the reason I keep bringing all this up is because we have to hold the biggest companies in the space accountable. Otherwise, other people are certainly going to do it. It's going to permeate into other aspects of the gaming space, and we won't get from behind this. If we want this behavior to stop, then we can't stop talking about it, and we have to hold people accountable. And it's conversations like this, if we keep having them, then hopefully we will. We can stop talking about stories like Activision, and we can stop talking about stories like Ubisoft, because they aren't there. Or at the very least, they're few and far between, and, and we can hold people accountable when they happen. I think that is probably the best that we can do is hold people accountable and hope that 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 we don't create more opportunities for this to permeate throughout the gaming space or any space, quite frankly. But on that note, I'm going to go ahead and get into our first break. A little note, we're actually not going to be having the trigger warning topic of the week this week. Again, there was just two much news. So you guys go ahead and come back and we're going to dive right into this Nintendo Direct. We're going to be talking about all our monthly releases for the month of October. And we're going to go over just a few titles in our review rewind. So come on back. My name is Wack Ops and this is Hardcore Casual. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. Let's go ahead and jump into some updates, previews, and announcements. This is where we bring you details on the most anticipated and talked about upcoming games releases. And this week, the segment is dedicated to the Nintendo Direct. I was obviously out last week, so I've had about 10 days to sit on it and see how I feel about really everything that we saw. Just to give you a quick run through of all that was shown there, we got Kirby and the Forgotten Land reveal trailer that's coming spring 2022. We got a Metroid Dread story trailer that's coming out in a week on October 8th. Uh, We got a Splatoon 3 gameplay trailer. I know a lot of Splatoon fans were excited to see that. Mario Party Superstars map preview. Mario Party Superstars, of course, is coming out this month. We finally, finally, after, I don't know, seven years or whatever ridiculous number it is, Bayonetta 3 finally got a gameplay reveal. Yes, the game is real and it is coming in 2022. We also got the announcement of Disco Elysium, the final cut. It, the announcement trailer, it is coming to Switch on October 12th. Now, me personally, I'm going to be holding out for the physical edition coming in early 2022. Now, we also got a preview of Dying Light Platinum Edition that is being an, that has been announced to be coming out on October 19th on the Switch and then Dying Light 2 Stay Human Cloud version coming out February 4th 2022 that is a launch day same day it's going to be out on Switch via the cloud they have done this with numerous games now i believe it was Hitman and Control so let's see how this works i'm excited to see a next gen game on this 
old hardware and see how the community responds to that. And then lastly, just some little notes to keep locked in with Nintendo about the Animal Crossing New Horizons Direct is actually going to be airing later this month. We do not have a release date or an announcement date for that yet, but I'm definitely curious as to what updates they're going to be bringing to Animal Crossing because my partner loves that game, so I'm always tapped in with the news that's going on over on that side. Um, as far as what my favorites were out of this announcement, quite frankly, outside of Disco Elysium, I think a lot of this was, I guess, backlogged or what they owed a lot of Nintendo fans. Uh, between uh, B- Bayonetta 3, I think that was huge to get that monkey off your back. I think talking about uh, Mario Party Superstars and the fact that this Mario Party is going to have uh, let you play with your friends online from launch. Splatoon 3, I know a lot of Splatoon fans have been waiting on that one. And then, of course, a new Kirby game that is 3D and looks a little bit more adventurous than the last Kirby game they put out that I can't even remember the name of because it was very... Eh, it was okay. So, I think this Nintendo Direct was okay. I gave it like a 7 out of 10, but we're going to get into some of the other things that they talked about a little later when we get into our Platform Wars segment. Next, I want to tell you guys all about the monthly releases coming out so you can mark your calendar and figure out where you're going to spend your money. So, today on October the 1st, or today as in the day that you're listening to this, FIFA 2022 is officially out. Have fun with that. Don't spend too much money if you do pick that one up. On October 5th, we have Alan Wake Remastered. I'm definitely going to be picking that one up. Very excited for that. Also on the 5th, we get Super Monkey Ball Banana Mania and Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. Then on October 7th, we have Far Cry 6. On October 8th, we have Metroid Dread. On October 12th, we have Back for Blood and Disco Elysium, the final cut coming to Switch. That is going to be one hell of a week. Good luck spending your time wisely from the 7th to the 12th. Next, we have on the 19th, Dying Light Platinum Edition coming to the Switch. On the 22nd of October, we have Dark Picture Anthology, House of Ashes. If you forget what this was, this was the military shooter where you are trapped in a cave with scary demonic monsters in the middle of what seems like a war conflict in the Middle East. Very curious storyline. I I can't wait to kind of see how the reviews come out on that one. Next, we have on the 26th of October, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Very excited to see how this is received by the community because it's definitely getting some mixed first impressions from what I've heard. Also, on the 28th, we get Riders Republic and Age of Empires 4. And on the 29th, we get Mario Party Superstars. Very excited for this month. I'm going to say my four titles that I'm most interested in this month. I'm definitely going to be picking up that Alan Wake remastered because I was not able to play it back in the original 360 days. Uh, I'm debating getting Far Cry 6 because I haven't actually delved too deep into that franchise. So I think this might be just a good introduction for me because I'm not tired of the same old from them necessarily, though I have played my fair share of Ubisoft games. And then obviously I want to play Mario Party Superstars with all the roommates. I have enough people living in my house where we can play a full uh, match of Mario Party anytime we want. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see a new game in the house rotation. Now, moving on, let's go ahead and jump into the review rewind. Now this is where we revisit the community response to the latest game releases and bring some titles to your attention. Now, 
I don't know how much attention I'm going to be bringing to you about these titles because I'm sure you've heard plenty about them already, but I wanted to bring up some specific titles because I thought that sometimes we think that the review scores and the relationship between, you know, how people actually interact with the game don't always sync up. And it's something that I like to talk about and kind of get an understanding for. So let's go ahead and start with the first title. Now, this is Kenna Bridge of Spirits. Kenna Bridge of Spirits came out earlier last month in September. Now, review copies had gone out particularly late and they were very selective. This is typically a bad sign, especially when you consider Cyberpunk 2077 and that whole situation. Ever since then, anytime you see review copies go out really close to the release date, a lot of people start to feel as though you're trying to pull a fast one. Now, this was a Sony exclusive. It got limited marketing from Sony, which I think definitely affected maybe some of its sales uh, in its first week. But what I think pushed it over the line was the fact that it got such great and flourishing reviews from a lot of the YouTube community, even if certain publications didn't necessarily review it as highly. I did want to mention that this is a Black-founded developer in Ember Labs. I think that is really cool that this team was able to get so much attention in the space in essentially what is the AA space, but it is a PlayStation exclusive, and that's really, really exciting. Now, as far as the Metacritic scores, the critics rating was an 81, but the Metacritic user score was a 8.7. So apparently, the people are really, really enjoying this, at least as it compares to the critics. And again, it was not um, received poorly. I think a lot of people said the biggest gripe I heard about it was it felt like a PS2 era made for next gen, which I think, depending on how you hear it, is a compliment. Depending on how old you are, it's a compliment. I think maybe some younger viewers, some younger gamers might mean that as a diss, but I don't think anybody older is really going to take any fault with that. And from what I hear, the game is absolutely gorgeous. So definitely check that one out if you happen to have a PS5. Next, speaking of PS5 exclusives, you know I had to talk about Deathloop, not only because it's black directed, and black voice acted, but this is one of the first games in a long time that has black leads and black main characters um, heading up the promo, heading up the box art. I listened to a interview, I believe, on Spawn on Me with Khalif Adams with one of the directors of the game, and they were saying that when they were developing the game, they chose to put the black character in front, or they cho chose to make Colt, uh, the main character of the game, Black, during development because they wanted to give this particular game uh, a little bit more representation in the space. And I think they, from what I've heard from the community, they've done it uh, relatively well. It wasn't received poorly. It wasn't in bad taste. So I think that's really cool. And that's the importance of having Black directed, Black voice acted, Black leads in games because one of those things can be off and it really doesn't hit home for anyone um, whatsoever. Now, this should be mentioned. It is developed by Microsoft, and it is a Sony-timed exclusive. Uh, the assumption is it is a one-year exclusive, so hopefully by this time next year, if you're only on Microsoft or PC or Switch or whatever the case may be, hope well, not Switch, but you know what I mean. Hopefully you'll be able to get it there. Oh, also, uh, before I give you the user score, I will also want to mention that 
it d does have limited accessibility options. So if you are a, you know, differently abled gamer, definitely look into what accessibility options are on offer for this title. Um, definitely see Steve Saylor's tweet uh, from last week. He kind of highlighted how he wasn't able to enjoy this title because there wasn't accessibility options made for him, which was disappointing. I hope that Arcane Studios is listening and thinks about that the next time they develop a game and really integrate accessibility into the title itself because it seems like the issues that Steve was having were not able to be fixed with just a patch. But with that said, on PS5, the Metacritic score was actually an 88 with many many publications giving them a 10 out of 10 or a 9 out of 10. This absolutely blew people away, but the Metacritic user score is a 6.3. Now, I looked into some of the comments under the Metacritic user score, and it seems like the main gripes are AI complaints. The AI is dumb. It seemed like a lot of people were Dishonored fans, and they were disappointed because they felt as though it was a dumbed-down version of Dishonored which I think it is an iteration on those mechanics. I, I don't know that it would be a dumbing down, but they were certainly not uh, particularly excited. And then uh, apparently it was a lot of review bombing and fanboyism and people saying, you know, F Sony or F Microsoft or whatever the case may be. So I'm going to take all that with a grain of salt, and I'm definitely going to be giving this a try if I get my hands on a PS5 anytime soon. And if not, then I'm definitely going to check it out on PC because I think that might be an okay place to play. I don't know if the DualShock controller is going to be giving you, or the DualSense, excuse me, is going to be giving you uh, that much more bang for your buck, at least with this specific title. Now, let's go ahead and jump into the last of the review rewind titles that we're talking about this week, and that is Hot Wheels Unleashed, because this was a surprise for me. This was the most surprising and well-received little arcade racer that I've heard in a while. Now, really big disclaimer, there are signs of a microtransaction-filled future. There are just big gaps in the economy where you can tell they're trying to monetize this game. Uh, is it Mattel, Hasbro, whoever owns Hot Wheels? They're definitely trying to get their sweet, sweet video game dollars. So, if I had to make a comparison based on all the video that I was able to watch before it actually releases or before it gets released, uh, it looks like kind of the Knockout City of racing games. How Knockout City is like a competitive, it, it's not a shooter, but it's a competitive, you know, combat-based game, but it's very open, very accessible to everybody. That's kind of how I'm seeing this Hot Wheels Unleashed game. I haven't gotten a chance to get my hands on it, but... From almost all the reviews that I saw, which you're going to see why I bring this up in a second, from all the reviews I saw, it was very surprising and warmly received, but I listened to a lot of reviews and watched a lot of reviews that aren't score-based, but even the ones I did see, were it was given like an 8 a lot of places. But apparently, at least on Xbox uh, Series X, the Metacritic score is a 71, and the Metacritic user score is down to a 6.7, so... It seems as though there's definitely a discrepancy between what I'm seeing and what the actual metrics are showing out. I really hope that the microtransactions, when they do show up, are minimal 
then they can fix that economy. Or at the very least, I hope this can be a really, really fun sandbox racer because I'm already starting to see some of the amazing tracks that people are building. Definitely go look up some of the Hot Wheels Unleashed tracks that people are building on YouTube. Really cool stuff out there. Uh, just enough for me to go check it out, especially if you're into building your own space that you play in uh, in games. I think this one might be really fun for you. But with that, we're actually going to jump into our second break. And when we come back, we're going to go ahead and jump into the real. That is our movie and TV news. And then we're going to get into some platform wars before we go ahead and get out of here. Like I said, no trigger warning topic this week. We're going to keep it fun. Keep it light while you're here back as an introduction to our show in our 14th episode. So thank you for being here. I am Wack Ops and this is Hardcore Casual. Okay, welcome back. What's going on, everybody? We're going to go ahead and jump right into the real. That is where we break down the latest in movie and TV news. Now, first, let's get this out of the way. Right now, today, as you're listening to this, Venom has released out. It is in theater. So if you're able, if you're vaccinated, you're willing to wear a mask, you can go ahead and go see Venom. Let there be carnage right now. But I will warn you, some people, from what I hear, word on the street, People are asking for their money back. So I would be careful with this one. I'm definitely going to be watching reviews. Uh, but uh, from what I understand, if you like the first one, you like the second one. But I'm not expecting too much from the uh, Venom storyline as far as this movie is concerned, which is really disappointing because Carnage is a really cool character. Next, let's go ahead and just touch base real quick with the What If series. I know I've been out of town. I'll be honest with you. Some of the last few episodes have not been my favorite. This last one was What If Ultron won, and they really kind of went all out and really set us up for a finale. So what we're actually going to do is we're going to talk more about this next week because, quite frankly, I have a couple of gripes with how this is all going down, and I want to give them an opportunity to really really show out in the finale and prove me wrong. But I have a couple apprehensions about what this could mean for the MCU moving forward. Now, with that out of the way, let's go ahead and talk about some of the news that we actually missed while we were out of town last week. Last week, we got some comments from Daniel Craig, comments around a female Bond. Now, Daniel Craig was doing an interview for the Radio Times when he was asked about the idea of a woman playing James Bond. Now, I'm going to read you a quote from the Radio Times now. Quote, The answer is very simple, he said. There should simply be better parts for women and actors of color. Why should a woman play James Bond when there should be a part just as good as James Bond, but for a woman? I thought these comments were very succinct. It didn't sound preachy or, as he said, very simple. I like when people can bring these issues up and lay them out without, you know, making too much explanation about it. So I agree, quite frankly, with Daniel Craig. I think a lot of the time, gender and race bending characters, you know, it's not an inherently poor choice. You know what I mean? But when it comes in place of actual representation and actual opportunity for women and people of color, 
it comes off as pandering or at best like pacifying like oh give them one and they'll and they'll leave and they'll shut up you know what i mean and straight up against the argument like oh you know uh, women characters don't sell internationally or or, uh, you know black and brown people don't sell internationally well i'll tell you what if a writer can't come up with roles as iconic as james bond and indiana jones and luke skywalker for women and people of color then maybe we need new writers maybe we need hmm i don't know maybe writers and directors and producers of color who are women who are part of the lgbtq uh, community maybe that is a part of the solution so i love daniel craig's uh comments mostly because i think a lot of people really don't listen until quite frankly, a white man says it. So it, it's disappointing that it comes to this, but I'm glad that this story got so much traction because I feel like a lot of us who are in the entertainment space and who care about representation in the entertainment space have been screaming this from the mountaintops for as long as we've been paying attention, <laughs> that it's nice to see some validation from somebody who's playing one of the most iconic characters in the world right before he does his last movie in that role. Hopefully these words will carry out through the next creative branch in the James Bond series, even if it isn't specifically James Bond himself, or create um, more opportunities in other franchises and newer franchises and better franchises, roles for a woman uh, and for people of color. In our next story, again, from last week, but this one was a big one. Apparently, Marvel and Disney are in a lawsuit that involves the Steve Ditko estate, this is reported out by the Hollywood Reporter, but if you want a better, more succinct explanation of the history of the law behind uh, a lot of what's being talked about in this lawsuit, please definitely check out uh, Rob over at Geek Culture Explained on YouTube. He did a really great job explaining in like under 10 minutes, but I'm going to go ahead and read you a quote from the article. Quote, Disney's Marvel unit is suing to hold on to full control of Avengers characters, including Iron Man, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Ant-Man, Hawkeye, Black Widow, Falcon, Thor, and others. The complaints, which The Hollywood Reporter has obtained, come against the heirs of some late comic book geniuses, including Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, and Gene Colan. The suits seek declaratory relief that these blockbuster characters are ineligible for copyright termination as works made for hire. If Marvel loses, Disney would have to share ownership of characters worth billions. So essentially what's happening is Disney Disney and Marvel are trying to hold on to, like they said, full control over these characters. And their argument is that Many of these writers and creators were signed under work for hire, meaning at the point that they were paid a fee, they do not own the characters. And more than that, they were actually contracted specifically to make characters for Marvel, so at the point that they were paid, that contract was fulfilled. But past contracts did not include or account for movies, toys, video games, or all these other things when these comic book characters were created. So Marvel never paid creators for the IP outside of comic books, and that's really what this is about. The fact that Marvel, outside of comics, forget the books for a second, everything outside of that has made billions of dollars. The movies, the video games, the, I mean, 
if I created Spider-Man and I see Spider-Man's the best game and Spider-Man's the best movie and you know what I mean? And the comics are running wild and people are so excited about it and I'm not seeing not one penny of that. Yeah, that would probably irritate me too. I would probably want to go to court because at the point that you're making billions over my head, you can at least throw me something. So I'm not a lawyer, but I think Disney more than likely will settle some with some of these creators because they're dealing with too many lawsuits for investors to be happy. And I think that's one thing I always talk about, and I'm sure you guys get tired of it, but the investors really dictate a lot of the behavior of some of these big companies that affect our experience as, as a consumer. You know what I mean? So if they're behaving bad, badly, but investors don't care, don't expect a change. But at the point that investors care and they're like, oh man, this does, this isn't a good look all of a sudden, maybe you'll start seeing changes enacted. So let's hope that if this picks up enough steam that investors start to get nervous, then Disney may act and actually start to get at least a stipend in place for some of these creators because there's no reason that any of these creators should die penniless like we've heard uh, about so many other creators in every space, in film, and music, and anything. So I think it's definitely important to get these creators paid, whether or not they have a case, I think the case of public opinion or the court of public opinion is really where this really comes out in the wash. So let's hope we can turn up the heat on Disney and get all these people paid because with all the lawsuits that they have in place, it looks like they haven't been paying for much. But on that note, let's go ahead and jump into the platform wars segment. That is where we keep a pulse on the major platforms in the gaming space and where they are headed to next. So let's go ahead and start with Sony PlayStation. Now, PlayStation, actually, just a quick congratulations because they have announced the acquisition of Bluepoint Games. If you're not familiar with Bluepoint Games, they are the developer behind Shadow of the Colossus and Demon's Souls. So big congratulations to all those people over there at Bluepoint Games. I'm very excited for them finally getting the bag. I think a lot of people don't like acquisitions because it's, you know, I mean, yeah, it's big business acquiring things, but a lot of people who worked really hard following their dreams are getting paid the bag to do what they want to do. And I think that is a beautiful idea. Um, and I think a lot of people go into games, hope that one day this is, this is like your favorite NBA player getting a shoe contract, but way bigger. You know what I mean? Like it's dope. It's dope. I'm very excited for Blue Point Games, and let's hope that this will get them to make even better, more elaborate, more expansive, more immersing titles. So with that, let's go ahead and jump into uh, one more story from Sony that is kind of just a clarification and something that I had to do my due diligence on. Last week, or actually, if you remember, a couple of months ago, I had reported out on a PlayStation story involving a C-bomb issue. Now, essentially, it was uh, discovered that when the internal CMOS battery, that is the time-keeping battery within the PS4, dies, when that battery dies, the PS4 will be unable to play games without connecting to the PlayStation network, um, meaning if you don't have an internet connection or when PlayStation Network eventually goes down and sunsets the PS4, your PS4 is a brick whether you have discs or digital copies or not. Now, last week, as according to Modern Vintage Games, I definitely go, uh, definitely suggest you go check out his channel at Modern Vintage Games on YouTube. Um, but apparently, 
they have fixed this issue in the latest PlayStation 4 update. So if you have a PlayStation 4, definitely go check out that last update. Because even if um, you're not too worried about it now, I would say that it's something that you don't want to be caught uh, having basically 10 years from now, 20 years from now, if you are some kind of console collector, let's say you end up wanting to be one, you want your games to be able to work. My The N64 that we have in the house still works 20 years later. I, I think that's a really cool thing, and I think that's something that we should promote these companies to at least make the attempt to, especially if it's something as easy as a patch. But yeah, this is a big win for game preservation, and I want to give, you know, give Sony their flowers on this one because if we don't celebrate companies when they do good, then, well, they're not going to do good. So good for Sony. Let's hope that we can get Microsoft to do the same thing with their DRM issue. Um, I definitely think that that is something I might be talking about next week as the trigger warning topic, but keep it locked and we'll see uh, who knows what else will happen between now and then. Speaking of Microsoft, let's go ahead and talk about the one story that that's really, really going on on that side, and that is the Halo Infinite multiplayer technical preview that's going on right now. Both last weekend and this weekend, basically Halo had another test flight. I believe this weekend they're doing big team battle, which I know a lot of people are really hyped for. They're doing a stress test on their servers um, because they want to make sure that on launch day, I mean, they're ready for us. And... We're, we're coming. We're going to be there. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't been able to hop into it uh, because, like I said, I didn't sign up for the Insider program. I'm definitely going to be doing that more often as this channel grows, but I'm not too tapped in with the beta programs too often. But from what I hear, from all of what gaming YouTube and gaming Twitter has had to say about it, everybody loves it. Everybody's hit. It's hitting them right in the nostalgia feels. There were some concerns around aim assist being very strong, especially, I mean, specifically on console or while using a controller. But those fixes are coming. I'm sure they're going to turn that down. And honestly, there are some monetization and progress concerns that I think I talked about in our last episode. But if you're curious, definitely check out Mr. Matty Plays. I think he did a great job detailing his experience with the Halo Infinite multiplayer technical preview that has been happening over the last couple of weeks. Now, let's go ahead and get into the big story that honestly kept on happening last week. I know that's what you guys want to hear about, and that's Nintendo, everything Nintendo. The Nintendo um, Switch OLED is officially out in the wild. It's supposed to not be out until next week, but apparently they've been pushing them out early and some people have them in hand. So if you've ordered one or pre-ordered one, definitely keep an eye out for it because it might get to you early. Next, let's go ahead and talk about this Nintendo Online Plus expansion pack announcement that they made. Did this completely like confuse anyone else? Not confuse, but surprise anyone else? We had heard that they were, we were going to get Game Boy, maybe Game Boy Advance. And what did I say? I was like, there's no way they give us 64 without a bump in price. I was a little more hyperbolic than that. I'll give you that. But I never thought that they would announce one N64 this early. I should have looked at the calendar because the N64 turned 25 this just, what, today, yesterday? Now... They haven't announced the price increase yet, but the imp- the price increase is coming. Luckily, we'll find out soon because the Nintendo Switch expansion, online expansion pack, is coming later this month. 
Now, let's talk about the games. For the N64 that's coming to the expansion pack, we get Zelda, Ocarina of Time. Now, all of these are at launch, by the way. Zelda, Ocarina of Time, Super Mario 64, Mario Kart 64, Mario Tennis, Star Fox 64, and that's just the highlights. That's just what I wanted to, to highlight. They will also be adding coming later, who knows what later means, Zelda, Majora's Mask, Pokemon Snap, F-Zero, and more. So that is, I mean, you know, the, the walk of fame. I There's obviously a, a couple of more that are going to be coming at launch, but I thought those were worth note. And then the other thing that they announced, Sega Genesis is actually going to be coming in this expansion pack as well. Sega Genesis, I believe, was actually my first console. Either that or the Game Boy, but I'm almost certain it was the Sega Genesis. And with the Sega Genesis, we're getting a couple of games that I thought were worth highlighting. Specifically, Sonic 2, Streets of Rage, Castlevania Bloodlines, Contra Hardcore, and Fantasy Star 4. So they're definitely trying to give us at least some you know, bang for our buck here, for lack of a better term. But honestly, I think that this should have been added to the service anyway. The service is incredibly cheap. It's $20 a year. After the price increase, I wouldn't imagine it being more than $35 a year. I doubt they would double it. But I think at the end of the day, the, the service itself, the actual nuts and bolts of the UI of the service itself, the accessibility of the service itself is lacking super heavily. It, it's not, it's, it feels a little cumbersome. I actually just played a little bit of Super Mario, original Super Mario on the SNES, on the SNES uh, Nintendo Online service last night. And it was perfectly fine. But there are certain things about the game that I found just obtuse. Like there's just big black bars on the side of it and a, and a instructions on the bottom that never go away and just little things that I want to change. I think that they can definitely improve the service and I hope they don't drip feed this content and I hope that October, by the end of this month, we'll really have a better idea of whether this was worth it or not. I, I, I really have to see that price increase first. And then obviously, you know, if you guys are wanting GameCube, I think that is the one that they're going to really hold close to the chest. In addition to Pokemon, that is one cool thing that I saw on here. Once I saw Pokemon Snap coming to Nintendo 64, that told me that if we do get Game Boy or Game Boy Advance, then it's a good chance we'll get the Pokemon franchise, which I'm very excited about. If I can play the original Pokemon franchise on my Switch, that would be really cool. Alongside this, they also announced some N64 and Sega Genesis wireless controllers that are compatible with your Nintendo Switch, and those are going to be sold for $50 a piece. In North America, we are getting the three-button Sega Genesis controller, and I believe in Japan they have the six-button Sega Genesis controller, so I feel a little played on that front. But outside of that, I think that is free nostalgia dollars for Nintendo. Now... To end out the week, <laughs> I I saved the best for last because I really wanted to talk about this because it broke the internet. It was dumb. And it's proof that Nintendo is going to Nintendo. Let's talk about the Mario movie coming holiday 2022. Now, this 
movie is made by Nintendo in conjunction with Illumination Studios. They're the studio behind the Despicable Me franchise and the Secret Life of Pets and things like that. Obviously, their animation chops are fire. They got great animation. Their stories are all right. You know what I mean? They're they're cute, uh, which I think, honestly, for Mario, that this makes a lot of sense. I think they're very heartwarming, but obviously they're not Pixar. They're not DreamWorks, but... I think they're they're very good studio to have in charge of the Mario movie. Now, the cast. Let's talk about it. If you're just now hearing about this, I'm sorry that I have to be the one to break it to you. But first, voicing Mario in the animated film in holiday 2022, Chris Pratt. That is right. The guy who plays Star-Lord in the Marvel movies, Chris Pratt is going to be voicing Mario. I'm going to go down the list, and then we can kind of react to all of them. Princess Peach is going to be played by Anya Taylor-Joy. You might know her from the uh, very popular chess show on Netflix. Luigi is going to be played by Charlie Day, known for his roles in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Toad is going to be played by Keegan-Michael Key of Key and Peele fame. Uh, Bowser is going to be played by Jack Black. You know who Jack Black is. Don't play yourself. Jack Black's amazing. Uh, I can't wait to he- I, I can't wait to see him as Bowser. That's gonna be awesome. And then also we get Seth Rogen playing Donkey Kong, which the more I hear it, just makes a whole lot of sense to me. I I it sounds dumb, but I saw a meme of him laughing and Donkey Kong laughing like over it, dubbed over it, and it, it was just it had me rolling. And I think if it can make me laugh, well then I guess that's the point. And then lastly, Charles Marionette, the original voice actor uh, for Mario, will be making surprise cameos. Um, I think that my shock reaction, quite frankly, as soon as I saw it, and I it registered that this was actually real, I, I couldn't stop laughing, bro. I was dying of laughter. And I no disrespect to the cast, but I thought it was just like, I thought it was a joke. I think a lot of people did. Until they got to Jack Black, then I was like, all right. I can see it. I guess this is real. That's crazy. Quite frankly, outside of a select few people here, I would say you could have hired a lot of uh, really talented voice actors for these roles. I know why they didn't do it. Uh, I still think that voice actors would have probably done a better job, and I think you would have probably gotten a better response from the community with a bunch of, I wouldn't say nameless people, but faceless people people who we haven't seen in other roles because we have such an ingrained relationship with the Mario franchise that to have, honestly, I think it was Chris Pratt that got the biggest reaction. I think that is going to rub some people the wrong way, but I'm willing to give them a chance. I'm willing to give them a chance. I don't know if this film is for me, but damned if I'm not going to go see it. Um, But yeah, dude, hire voice actors, y'all. Hire voice actors. They're talented people. They they work at their craft, and they're worth every dollar. But also, you know, I get the international appeal thing. Nintendo, Nintendo wants to do what's best for their bottom line if they're going to be making a movie like this or giving their sacred cash cow, their, their holy grail away to anyone. They're going to make sure that it's done at least with the most investment from the Hollywood side. Like, all right, if we're going to give you Mario, who are you going to give us? Who can you get us to play Mario? So, and I mean, honestly, temper your expectations because it's Nintendo and nothing makes sense. 
Nintendo's gonna Nintendo, bro. They're not gonna. They don't listen to us. They don't care whether we hate it or we love it. They're still gonna give it to us, and we're still gonna buy it. So that's just kind of <laughs> how it works over there on that side. Uh, I'm still waiting for the day that Nintendo fans ever revolt and like stop buying Nintendo stuff. But I guess that's what the Wii U generation was really all about. Um, with that, uh, we're pretty much wrapping up the show, but I do not want you to forget to go ahead and holler at me. Come join us and be a part of a growing community, and don't forget to support the show. You can go ahead and email us with any of your comments, questions, likes, dislikes, or whatever at our email, whackops at gmail. That's W-H-A-C-K-O-P-Z at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WACOPS, again, W-H-A-C-K-O-P-Z. If you're showing love, I need the sub. If you're trying to holla, I need the follow. If you enjoy the content, don't forget to comment. And if you're liking what we do, download, share, and review. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever you enjoy podcasts. We're going to leave you again, as we always do, with the shout-out of the week, where we give people their flowers and hold them up high. This week, the news comes a little late, and we're giving a big shout-out to Malika Andrews, who last week inked a deal, multi-year contract, to be the new host of an NBA Today show. This is replacing Rachel Nichols' show, The Jump. This story comes to us from Front Office Sports. Now, very exciting to see a young black woman getting her bag getting her opportunity to host a show on ESPN, the flagship NBA show on ESPN. I'm very excited. She will be joined by Kendrick Perkins, Chini Ogwamike, Vince Carter, and Zach Lowe. Very excited for all of them, but a big, big round of applause goes out to Malika Andrews. She's well-deserving. She's been a hell of a reporter. She's put the work in, and she's earned every dollar that she got. Very, very exciting stuff. With that, I want to say thank you and welcome back to the show. We won't be taking a week off for some time, so please keep it locked here every single Friday. I will be here for you reporting the weekly gaming and entertainment news. With that, I am Wack Ops. This is Hardcore Casual. Have fun, be cool, and stay dangerous. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Hardcore Casual. Join us next Friday with your friendly neighborhood news aggregator, WACOPS. You can also follow us on social media at WACOPS, on Instagram and Twitter. Support the show by downloading, sharing, and reviewing. Available on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, and Stitcher. See you next week.